over there. They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stands, run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, Pitches it, the... it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. The doctor is now in. Happy Election Day. I'm not sure if that is actually a thing. Happy Election Day. How about happy it's almost over election day? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> what is the term? Is that a term? Oh, get it? Term? Yeah, is it four ha- years or six years? Yeah, I don't know. Or two years. I don't know. You know me. I am not one to talk politics, so I'm not going to start today. But Although you already have. I guess I have. That's <laughs> really not talking politics, but vote! Vote for Pedro! you got to love vote for Pedro, don't you? You know, I'm from Chicago, and the, the moniker back there used to be vote early, vote often. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not supposed to be that way, though. <laughs> that is not what you're supposed to do out there, folks. There are record-breaking numbers, though. Historic Nevada's numbers. Nevada's already had it. more people voting before today, Election Day, mm-hmm. than they had in the, last, in the 2016 election. Now, why do you think that is? Is it because we've be- become so conscious with the marketing and the social media, national television, everything, vote, vote, vote. You have athletes saying vote, vote, vote. We've never, ever had that before. Is it because of that? Is it because people truly want to change? What is it? Well, I think it's because both sides are so dug in that now people realize, and after the 2016 election where everybody thought they knew the outcome beforehand and it completely got reversed, and people started realizing the Electoral College and different things and how, you know, this doesn't matter necessarily here. It's this state, that state, everything else. I think now people are out there doing it more often. And I still don't know that they're going to get all the votes that they really want or need or expect or whatever like that. So there's still some communities that aren't voting as much. And I'm curious to see how long the lines are today. I'm curious to see how long people wait. And if they actually do social distancing and there's going to be seven or eight hour lines, they better close down entire parking lots. Yeah. I'm interested, too. I haven't voted yet. I am voting after the show today. I, I so voted early. I voted last Tuesday because I, I thought, you know what? I am not going to put up with that on Tuesday, but I want to get my voice in there. There you go. Well, your voice will be heard, my friend. All right. So, yes, we encourage everyone to vote, even Numchuck. Vote. Yes. Whether it's for Pedro or Kanye or whoever. Kanye is on the ballot. Well, he's Actually, on some yes. ballots. He's on some ballots. He's not was, on all ballots. You, have, not, to, you yeah. have to qualify state by state, so he's not on every ballot. In California, he's on the ballot. And he's not on every ballot. He's yeah. on very few ballots, actually. Really? Yes. Okay, I was told this morning he was. No, no, he's not on every ballot. Why? I have no idea. Be- because you have to get so many signatures. No, why? He's on any ballot is beyond me. Uh, because <laughs> he got enough people to sign, because there's enough stupid people out there that would back him. All right, so we'll leave the politics for our guest today. Uh, Bob Aaron will be joining us today. Oh, what's he going to say about it? <laughs> wow. There's the drama building up. <laughs> exactly. So I was going to say today, and I started to post this on, on Twitter with our traditional post that we sent out there, but it was too lengthy. And by, I, by the time I, I did all that, I couldn't get you know, what we're going to talk about and throw everything else on there. Anyway, but uh, we have the outspoken 
Bob Arum on today. We got the often spoken TJ Reeves, our Buck sideline guy, to talk about last night's game with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then I wasn't sure which spoken to go with. Not really soft spoken, but maybe the direct spoken uh, Matt Holt joins us. How, how would you uh, describe using the word spoken with Matt Holt? I struggled with that one for a little bit. He's well, very sounds- direct, he's very candid. The candid spoken Matt Holt? Well, it, it, it's kind of like that since it's election day, how about um, talk softly but carry a big stick? Yeah, could be. You know, right. I mean, he, he, what he has to say is very important in that, but, you know, he doesn't necessarily pump his chest and jump up and down screaming it. Right. Well, I know I, I got two of the three right. We got the outspoken Bob Arum and the often spoken T.J. Reeves. A segment's usually not long enough for T.J. Reeves. And the intellectually <laughs> makes you think spoken, yeah. <laughs> Matt Holt. There you go. I like that. There you go. But, by right. the way, you and mentioned... And the frankly sp- spoken, Ballpark Frank. Sometimes I'm perfectly frank. Sometimes Some... I bite my tongue and can't say what I really want to, but... <laughs> you bite your tongue and speak what you want, Frank. Yeah. Got it. All right. Very but, nice. uh, but yeah, And you mentioned the election, too. One of the things that I posted today was, you know Alice Cooper. You know I'm a big Alice Cooper fan. Of course. You and Marielle. Yeah. So... I looked it up today. Alice Cooper released the song Elected back in 1973. Alice Cooper would is 72 years old today. If Alice Cooper was running and was elected, he would still be younger than the two guys we have that one of them is going to be president again. At 72, he's still younger than the other. Yes, I'll say it in my opinion, clowns running for office. Is this really the best we have to offer the free world? Is that on the Schools Out album? That's what I want to know. Was he elected on the Schools Out? No, I believe it was before that. You think so? I think so. Schools Out was right 72, 73. Yeah, I think it was a little bit. I think it was the album after that. We know that one, don't we, Nunchuck? Schools Out for Summer. That was a classic. You love that song, Frank. I, I love a lot of Alice you, Cooper you, you, songs. You played that in June when you when you were getting out of seventh and eighth grade, getting ready for your summer. It was definitely blasting on my eight track back in the day when I did graduate many, many years ago. All right, so yeah. Alice Cooper in concert probably a dozen times. Yes, yes. And just a little teaser. We'll have Bob Arum uh, coming up with us uh, next hour. Remember, if you don't know already, the show, 2 to 4 p.m. now. Yes, we've expanded to two hours. Nonstop sports talk coming your way. Yours truly, Ballpark Frank, making it happen here as well. Hit us on Twitter at TCMartin21 at VGKFrank21. Bob Arum will talk about the Lomachenko Lopez uh, fight from, from last weekend or two weekends ago. That was uh, something special. And again, Matthew Holt will join us. We'll talk about uh, the gaming side and uh, we'll touch on uh, the NFL and, of course, UFC. Matt, our UFC guy as well, too. So we'll dive into that. Uh, sp- specifically, talking about Anderson Silva. Uh, did he retire? Did he not? Is he done at 45 years old? So we've got all of that to, to talk about. Yes, I'm going to uh, spring on Bob Arum the email that I showed you yesterday that I got from, from Don King. So that ought to go over pretty well, too. I don't know that he'll have too much to say about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> terrible Tuesday, our favorite day of the week. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right, we talk a lot about the NFC East, which we call the NFC Least. Well, with the New York Giants loss last night to Tampa Bay, the NFC East is now 2-16 and against teams in other divisions. They're now 1-12 in road games. They're now 1-16 versus teams with winning records. 
The first division, with no team having three or more wins through the first seven weeks of the season. Last time that happened, my friend, was 1970. Yes, this division is pathetic. It is atrocious. And to think that the Philadelphia Eagles lead this division now with whatever, was it 2-4-1, 3-4? I don't know what it is. But they seem to be the class of the division. We talked yesterday about this with Steve Berline, our quarterback guru, the former quarterback who's with CBS. And he said, I can't believe Carson Wentz is this bad. This whole division is atrocious. And we saw it again last night with Daniel Jones just succumbing to just the moronis, moronicness, if that's even a word, which I know it isn't. But this division, it's hard to watch. I can't fathom it that one of these teams will be hosting a first-round playoff game. Well, and the amazing thing is you mentioned that um, the person that said, I can't believe Carson Wentz is this bad, he could have said, I can't believe Carson Wentz is this bad and still might be the best quarterback in this division on the best team in this division. Yeah, that division is absolutely laughable. It's a joke. It's almost criminal, but that's the way that things are. Maybe one of them does catch fire, but right now it's still well under 500, and they could easily end up that way. Philadelphia right now is the class of the division. Oh, and by the way, for Cowboy fans out there thinking that, oh, well, you know what? Maybe things will turn around a little bit. Andy Dalton's going to come back. Andy Dalton just tested positive for COVID. Right. So even if he was going to come back from the concussion, he's still not available. This division is an absolute embarrassment to the NFL. NFL least might be understating it. I've never ever seen those type of numbers that I just read there. 1-12 in 12 in road games. 1-16 in 16 versus teams with winning records. First division not for a team not to have three, the leading team to have more than three wins for the first time since 1970. Those are, those are just bizarre stats. Incredible stats. Incredible, horrific stats for teams that have won Super Bowls, that have been to Super Bowls. I mean, we're talking about you know, the Giants and the Eagles and the Cowboys, all of these teams, even the Redskins, they've all won Super Bowls. They've all been you know, pretty prolific in recent times as well to, to see all of these teams go in the toilet. It's amazing. It, it, it's, it's incredible how bad these teams are. And what's the common denominator? They all have horrific coaches as well, too. Well, and remember this, too. It's the uh, team formerly known as the Redskins. Oh. So excuse me. the uh, football team, although it should be football club because they're obviously terrible and can't score very well. That's why they're part of this terrible Tuesday. And the reason that you've never seen numbers like this, because you were too busy back there with all those um, jumping bands in, the, in 1970 that you don't remember <laughs> reading the stats back then. When you were going in and out of the clubs, when you were truly TC, too cool, too cold, too whatever for everybody out there. <laughs> to deal with. Oh, thank you very little. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's a story close to your heart. As we talk about Chicago, Major League Baseball, the Chicago White Sox have hired Tony La Russa. Remember we talked about this last week at 76 years of age. And like I said last week, hey, I'm happy for Dusty. Now the, the announcers don't have to you know, talk about him and talk about all the success that he had. And this really irritates me too. I mean, this is a combo story for me. And uh, so I'll get into the second part later. But the Chicago White Sox named Tony La Russa as their new manager, but there was a glitch in the graphic file that was emailed to all the fans. I don't know if you know about this or not. They announced the hiring of Tony La Russa, except uh, it didn't go so well. They had a picture of Tony La Russa, and below that they had the signature of A.J. Hinch. 
That's right. A press release went out saying Tony LaRusso is our guy. We're so happy to have Tony LaRusso back. Remember, 34 years after they fired him unceremoniously, then he wanted the success with the Oakland A's and, of course, the St. Louis Cardinals after that. But the mistake was attributed to having multiple versions on hand as they were going through the interview process. So the PR department had... I guess all these different versions, and they said, okay, yes, we're hiring Tony LaRusso. Let's let's get out email blast to all of our season ticket holders, all of our fans. And uh, here's the thing. So they had the picture of LaRusso. They had the signature of A.J. Hinch. A.J. Hinch was never interviewed. He never went through the process. So who in that department came up with A.J. Hinch? Was, he, was that a fan? Was that a family member? I don't get it. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe it was a family member or something else like that. By the way, Tony LaRusso also older than Alice Cooper. That's 76 true. years That's old. 76. And right about in the middle of the presidential candidates we have on this election Tuesday. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it, it, it's just the White Sox. And, and here's the thing. Everybody wants to be so quick today to get the story out there. Whatever happened to getting it right? The 30 seconds, proofread it. Be, what do we say all the time when we see athletes and actors and anybody out there when they hit something and they set it on Twitter or Facebook or social media and then they delete it later on? Think before you hit send. We'll check before proofread before you hit send. It's not, those are just excuses, all that stuff. Oh, we had so many versions. Well, then use the right one. <laughs> I know. Obviously, we've seen these departments, and there's a lot of non-baseball people, and you know, not to be an age guy here, discriminous, but there's a lot of young people in there that, that don't truly get it. So I, I don't know how this got by, but again, a, blitch, a glitch that went out, and that was emailed to all the fans. That was the final version of the Tony LaRusa announcement. Maybe with some of the signatures, maybe they thought it did say LaRusa. Maybe he's got really bad handwriting. You know... As a Bears fan, I still have nightmares about the double doink. Oh, jeez. And last week, Cody Parkey? Last weekend, I'm watching. Where is Cody Parkey? The anyway? Raiders and Cleveland. And I see Cody Parkey come on the field to kick a field goal. Now, this wasn't the difference in the game, I don't think. But it would have made it a one-score game if Cleveland would have made the field goal. Still would have kept him alive, you know? The wind is blowing yep. horrifically. The announcers in the booth, who are not kickers and never were kickers, are saying what Parkey's got to do. He's got to aim for the right upright or even a little bit beyond that to have it hook back and curl in. The few fans in the stand, they all know what he's got to do. Everybody in the world who's ever kicked a ball in the wind knows exactly what Cody Parkey has to do. What does Cody Parkey do? Kicks it like it's a regular extra point or something on a chip shot field goal. The wind takes it. It blows very wide left. Not even coming close. That might have hit the crossbar, but whatever. It's only one crossbar, so for him, maybe that's a victory. I don't know. How do these guys keep on getting jobs? How is he still in the NFL? I know he's having a decent season. Would you ever trust him to kick a a meaningful field goal? I guess maybe Cleveland said, well, we'll give him a job because what's the chance of us having a meaningful a meaningful field goal at some point in the season. How do some of these people still have jobs? I'm not looking for anybody to lose their job, but damn it, some people should. Wow. He's on the Cody Park. Ban Cody Parking from the National Football League. That's what he's saying there. Double doinker. <laughs> no relation to Doink the Clown, by the way. All right. And at least like- it wasn't the quadruple doink of Rice a couple weekends ago. Oh, Yikes. Man. You know, the NFL is... It, it, it's a mess in, in so many things, and especially in New England right now. The Patriots are a mess. They're 2-5. and five. The record is, is atrocious. We saw what Cam Newton did last week, and they actually, 
you know, I th- I thought that this was Buffalo's game to win from the beginning. To pick Buffalo, of course, I lost by the hook on on that game, uh, on one of my best bets. But uh, Cam Newton had a chance to will the Patriots to victory, and then he fumbled at the end. And of course, uh, the Patriots now look like they are are out of, out of playoff contention here. And we know that Cam Newton probably is not the guy in New England. Here's some audio from Cam Newton in the press conference afterwards, but he was still dressed up, very dapper, had a nice hat, you know, had his 1970s fly suit on. But uh, the question was asked about Cam Newton, like, how is he feeling after he lost another game? It affects me more that, you know, I still am, am jeopardizing this team's success because of my lackluster performances of taking football, so... You know, coach trusts me with the ball in my hands, and I wouldn't want it any other way, and I just got to do a better job of protecting it. I love hearing that Cam Newton's actually taking a little bit of responsibility. Uh, Bill Belichick, the question was asked him uh, about how the game ended, and typical Belichick, here we go. One fundamental problem at the end. Any, any, can you share sort of where your emotions were at? How do you think we felt, Henry? <laughs> How do you think we felt there? Uh, you got to love a Belichick press conference, don't you? You know, the only bad thing about that press conference was because of him having to wear the mask. Because I would have loved to have seen the facial expressions. Because right. the eyes were already burning holes through. You heard the delay there. He was like, you know he wanted to say something even a little bit more than that. But right. it basically came up with. And you mentioned the fly suit. Well, he should be wearing fly suits because he's playing on the field attracts flies. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right, let's stick with uh, some TV here uh, from the NFL. So I'm watching the Saints-Bears game, as I'm sure you were, Frank. Uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman uh, doing the call on this game. And there was a point in the game where the, the Bears couldn't really do much of anything, and they had the ball on their own 25-yard line in the fourth quarter. And Troy Aikman... Uh, and it was early in the fourth quarter. It was actually conveying that they actually go for it. And I'm going, why would you say this, Troy Aikman? Here's a little audio from this game at this point in time. On third down and three, the handoff won't get it. That's Montgomery. I, I thought this was a, a really big third down right now in this ball game. Probably the biggest play in the game for Chicago. You got Nick Foles right now trying to get the group together. They're, they're going to go for it, but... The way that they're bleeding offensively, and this game's starting to get away from them, even though they're only down three. I, I like this decision right here, but it's all on the table. And they may not snap it. There's no way in the world they're going for it. I don't get it why he would think that. So they came out and they tried to draw him off sides again. They're bleeding offensively. They can't get a first down. The game is getting away from them. Why would you punt from deep? Rather, why would you go for it deep in your own territory? That that's insane. So after the punt, Troy Aikman. I mean, he's still in the same booth, the same position. Now he's probably trying to figure a way how he can back out of this. What does this sound like? I mean, they need something. They need a shot of life here. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge risk, right? If they if they go for it there and, and you don't make that, then <laughs> well, good luck in the firing line, you know, if you're Matt Nagy. But 
the third down, you know, I'm sitting here saying, wow, this is really important for them. They're backed up. They've got nothing going. The Saints, fortunately, the Bears' defense has held them out of the end zone, but this game's about to get away from them, and yet they didn't pick it up. So I, I would not have been shocked had Nagy have gone for it. So that's how he backtracks. I might wouldn't have been surprised. He was advocating like it was a no-brainer that they should go for it. What, what am I listening to here? Well, you're listening to a guy, like you said, trying to backtrack. Of course he wouldn't have been surprised because that's what he thought they were going to do, and that's what he said they should do. But, yeah, has he watched the Bears' offense? Has he seen the way that they've been playing? Their running game is pathetic because they can't stretch the field. They don't throw the ball downfield at all. Therefore, the defense is always up there protecting against the run. But, yeah, Troy Aikman, I mean, this is a guy who didn't really know what he was doing, who didn't know what was going on in the game. And he blew the call, and then he tried to cover it up. And by the way, did he? What did he say? Did he say, uh, you know, Nagy in the firing line? Yes. It, would that be the unemployment yeah. line, or did he literally think that he was going to be put in a blindfold and take out to the firing line? There, not sure what the firing line is. <laughs> All right, you know, let's stay in the NFL because the NFL fashion police are at it again. Oh no! Did you see this story? No. Pittsburgh. Undefeated team, the only one I believe left in the NFL right now. Seven and zero. Steelers playing very well, but Juju Smith-Schuster and running back James Conner, well, their wallet is five thousand dollars lighter this weekend, my friend, because their socks showed a little bit of skin between the socks. They actually showed like the kneecap. Yes. And you can't do that. Uniform the socks police. must be all the way up. They said there was skin showing. Henceforth, gotta find these guys. Five thousand dollars. Who cares? Seriously? They show Schuster out there on the field. It's literally like an inch or something that you can see of skin when they're running and when they're bending. When they're pulling them up, it actually covers it. But the NFL, nope. Uh-uh. You're rookies and you're on those rookie contracts or you're or kind of still new players. No, they still make a lot of money and 5K is not a lot. But 5K because their socks weren't completely up on their legs. Come on, NFL. Seriously? This is what you have to worry about? Concussion protocols, CTE, all the stuff that's going on with you? Look at those socks. We see skin. What is this? The 1920s with a bathing suit on the beach or something? How dare you show kneecap? So this is a topic that's really close to my heart. Because when I was in Green Bay, a very good friend of mine who used to uh, be on my show quite often, even co-hosted a couple days a week with me, former Packer, you may remember, Johnny Gray. Okay, Johnny Gray's job was the uniform police. So every team, actually the NFL hires someone, and it's always, I don't say always, but usually a former player, and that's what Johnny Gray's job was, to go on the field before the game. He would go out there with his notepad, binder, you know, a clipboard and write down and and find these guys. And he would ha- actually have to go through during warmups and kind of slyly go through everybody and everything and 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 find these guys. And the players thought, "Hey, former NFL guy, man, you're cool, this and that." And he was the uniform police. And this is a thing, like you mentioned, a thing that these guys take very very seriously. And it is a little bit crazy, but I I actually had got to witness this on the field with him. Many, many times, and I was kind of blown away by all this. Well, and, and I guess what you're telling me here in a roundabout way is that uh, Johnny Gray was on this island because when it comes to the fashion in the NFL, there is no gray area. There is true. There is. All right. 
All right, Frank, this is going to be close to your heart here because uh, I know how much you love tennis. The UMass women's tennis team felt the heavy hand of the NCAA. UMass self-reported a violation. Actually, this was a clerical error regarding an off-campus phone jack. Now, the UMass women's tennis team had to vacate three years of victories and the school's very first conference championship in the Atlantic 10 in the last 15 years. You know why? Because they didn't pay a $252 phone bill, and this is considered uh, impermissible financial aid. Can you believe this? The success of the tennis team, because they had a phone jack, they were letting their players make phone calls, and the bill exceeded uh, an amount that they're not allowed to, to make these calls. $252? You vacate three years of victories in a conference championship over this? And meanwhile, my friend, let me throw this at you. While we are, are going through this, it's purely still okay for us to look at Arizona and Louisville and LSU and Kansas and men's basketball as they continue to have pay-for-play schemes and have federal wiretap investigations, but nothing's happened to them. But these poor women, these poor tennis players have to vacate these victories in the conference championship. Why? Because of a phone jack. You asked me if I can believe this. It's the NCAA, so I can absolutely believe it. Do you remember years ago when Boise State got a, uh, not a big suspension, but they got a little slap on the wrist for some violations that they had? Do you remember that one of those violations was from a person on the women's tennis team who a coach purchased a 50-cent Coke for out of the vending machine? (laughs) Literally. A 50-cent Coke, they said. First off, I want to know what vending machine has 50-cent Cokes, but it was a while ago, so maybe they did back then. But that was one of the violations that was on the list that the NCAA put. So if they're going to go for a 50-cent Coke that somebody got, I would imagine that a 200-and-something dollar phone bill, why not? Because the NCAA is stupid. They're outdated. They need to go away. Unbelievable. All right, I'm going to leave you with this one here, all right? Now, I'm going to read you the headline here, all right? Russian oligarch, okay, we'll get to oligarch here in a minute, nicknamed the Sausage King, murdered with a crossbow. That is the headline. Now, let's dive into the story. Vladimir Mirukov, and I'm, I'm butchering this name. Mirukov? If you say so. He's probably a hockey player somewhere, okay? <laughs> Actually, so it was him. We'll call him Vladimir, okay? And his partner, Vlad. Vlad his there you go. Vlad. Vlad and his partner, all right, were in an outdoor sauna when they were attacked by two masked assailants. The woman, we find out it was a woman, the partner. That's a good thing, I guess. Hunger Games. Yeah, there you go. The woman managed to escape through the window and call the police. Detectives found the body of Mr. Vlad, who owned Russia's largest meat processing plant, in the sauna with a crossbow next to it. So now let's examine this, okay? So we have the oligarch, all right? And an oligarch, if you look that up, you know what that is? I guess that's a ruler. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, a ruler, it's, right? It's like some kind of a czar or a leader yeah. of the community. Or a rich man, it, I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah, as yeah. well, okay? okay? Yeah. A then, very powerful person. Right. And then, of course, we have the sausage king, not to be confused with the Hello. Abe Roman. Help you? You can sure as hell try. Hi, I'm Abe Froman. Party of three for 12... Is there a problem? You're Abe Froman. That's right. I'm Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. 
There it is. Not to be confused with the Sausage King of Chicago. That great movie, right? Exactly. All right. The partner's a woman. They found the body in the sauna with a crossbow next to it. Wouldn't it be in the body? If the detectives were there, why wouldn't the crossbow be in the body? But I just, I was just amazed at this headline that a Russian oligarch nicknamed the Sausage King murdered with a crossbow. Well, the crossbow wouldn't be in the body. The Why arrow not? from the crossbow would be in the body. Correct. The crossbow would be sitting next to the body, That's potentially. So that could very well make sense. Okay. And as far as Vlad, instead of being <laughs> Vlad the Impaler, he was Vlad the Impaled, <laughs> is what it sounds like to me. So, yes, a, a, a very sad story, but, um, you know, the you know I guess, you know, long live the Sausage King is no longer appropriate. I just thought that that would be, I mean, let's talk about the headline. To me, that's, that's headline of the year material right there. It, it's right up there. Yeah. It's right. right up there. All right. You got something else you want to send us out on? Well, since it is election day, <laughs> okay. I found this and I thought it was apropos. Right. Because we don't have to wonder what the results are because I can tell you right now. Okay. Because we already know because Betfair.com has it figured out. They recently had a horse race. Really? Biden time... <laughs> took on Super Trump. And down the stretch they come. It's Biden time and Super Trump. It's Biden time and Super Trump. Super Trump had a big lead. Biden time made a big stretch down the way. They were going neck and neck. It was a head bob one way or another. And Biden time by a nose wins. So Biden beats Trump <laughs> by Betfair. There was action on it. By the way, you think that there's not interest in this election around the world? <laughs> Betfair in the United Kingdom has $352 million wagered right now on this election in the United oh, yeah. States. Oh, yeah. So, so remember, over there, you can bet it live. By the way, this was at White House. It was the White House Stakes at Longfield Park in the U.K. I want to know what Biden time paid. What did he pay? I don't know, but I like what the announcer said at the end of it. And in the end, it's Biden time by a nose. Not so sleepy today. Wow. So it wasn't Sleepy Joe. <laughs> what would they say if uh, Clinton was in this race and won? One by a cigar? Uh, Clinton, Clinton, yeah, Clinton, Clinton going to go smoke a cigar afterwards. <laughs> you guys, Terrible Tuesdays. You can hit us on Twitter at TCBar21 at VGKFrank. When we come back, we visit with our guy in Tampa. He's a little happy tonight. Or... Maybe he's not so happy the way the Bucks played yesterday. We'll Does talk- Brady need a new helmet? Uh, he might need he smashed a smashed it on the sideline. He did, exactly. <laughs> We're going to get into that with T.J. Reeves coming up next. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. 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 All right, terrible Tuesday it is. Don't forget, next hour, Bob Arum joins us. Top-ranked boxing, Matthew Holt will join us as well. T.J. Reeves coming up very, very shortly here. You, your phone calls, always prevalent, 221-7283, outside of the Vegas area, of course, the area code 702. All right, our man in Tampa, there he is, uh, fresh off the Buccaneers victory last night on the road the Bucks sideline guy, T.J. Reeves. What's going on, my man? Happy to help you be 500 on callers in this segment, my friend. <laughs> Initials brother from another mother. And wasn't it great on Monday Night Football? 
that the Bucks had them all the way against those uh, one and whatever New York Giants. Wow. Hey, Henry. Wow. I'm, I'm sure we have lots to talk about. Yeah, remember 500 would be in first place in the uh, NFC East. That's true. <laughs> TC in the lead right now in the <laughs> NFC East. On this uh, segment with the callers. Uh, yes, and I, I am well aware. Uh, because I have a bunch of different friends and acquaintances, not only in the New York media, that were trying to throw things, objects, bricks, whatever, at the TV on the two-point conversion that I'm sure we'll get to. But the Buccaneers, nowhere close to covering that 12-and-a-half-point spread last night, which you boys were always very interested in out in the desert. All right, so what's the deal here? Now, Brady was calm. He was cool. He was even irate at times. Uh, the Bucks did get the job done, and I know that there are a lot of people out there that Bucks players even said, hey, you know what, and maybe even Bruce Arians admitted this, this is a game we probably wouldn't have won last year. But because of Brady and maybe Gronk and just this mentality – being held to a higher standard here, the, the Bucks pushed their way through. It was ugly. They won 25-23. Why do you think they struggled so much with the lowly Giants last night? I think there were two or three factors. The first one is New York has played almost everybody in the last four or five weeks tough. They have begun to figure some things out. The offensive line was better, even with a couple of inexperienced players, uh, and maybe even better than what the Bucks would, would give them credit for before that game began, and they were actually able to run the ball some. Uh, one of the recipes leading into this game was if the Buccaneers turned the ball over and, and had penalties, that kind of thing, that you were going to make it uh, much tougher on yourself. You were going inter- to energize the other team. Lo and behold, Ronald Jones gets hit and fumbles at the Bucks' own 10-yard line, and it's an easy touchdown opportunity to give the Giants confidence. But in the end, in the second half, when they made the adjustments, they got two interceptions off of Daniel Jones, which, by the way, since his first start last year, which was a win against Tampa Bay in Tampa, to right now, this second, who has the most combined turnovers, fumbles, and interceptions in the NFL? That would be Daniel Jones, who threw two more picks last night, and it opened the door for the Buccaneer comeback. And you saw it last week firsthand in Las Vegas. If, if Brady's got multiple chances in the second half to go get touchdowns, they're eventually going to get touchdowns. And Gronk got one, and Mike Evans made a spectacular catch, and they did enough to win that game. We know that talent can get you into the NFL or any other professional league, but then it becomes more than that to become a winner. Is Tom Brady teaching this team and these younger guys how to win? Because he's not afraid to get in a lineman's face or in another player's face or a coach or something like that. He demands perfection. He demands the best out of them. And it seems like maybe some of these guys, maybe they're not used to it, but they're responding to it. And how do you say no or not take it to heart when Tom Brady gets in your face with everything he's accomplished? That is a great point. This is why you have. VGK Frank on the show, TC, to not only keep you sane, but to have some points like that one. And here's a perfect example. The receiver they were using last night, not a household name, not on anybody's fantasy roster, Jaden Mickens, number 85. He knew uh, over the two or three days of practice leading to this Monday night game, he was going to start, he was going to get a good opportunity uh, to be out there because of the injury to Chris Godwin. And they coached him up, they talked him up, and I'm sure Tom Brady talked him up on this is your time and an opportunity on a big stage here to make a couple of big catches. He caught the fourth down ball in the second half to keep a drive alive. He caught another key third down ball. Again, not, not the difference maker, not the reason they won, but to Frank's point, that's a guy that they coached up and a guy that's listening 
to what the Hall of Famer Brady is having to say, maybe even loudly uh, during huddles, during the sideline talks, things like that, as the Bucks uh, got on the same page. Uh, you would be happy to know uh, that at the end of the game with that Evans touchdown, that was supposed to be a run play, by the way. To tell you how savvy Brady is, he simply looked over at Mike Evans, who had single coverage, and without saying anything, Evans looked back at him, and the look was all he needed, which is change the play and throw it to me high and outside, and I will go get it. And what a great catch that was. Uh, it, it, it put the Bucks in the lead, and then it set up, obviously, the dramatic finish. Is Scotty Miller one of those guys, too? Is, Brady seems to like yes. this guy as well, too. He is, and Miller has been battling a groin injury uh, and an ankle injury, and, and he was trying to go to him deep a couple of times last night, and Miller re-injured himself in the third quarter of the game and kind of hobbled off, and we didn't see him the fourth quarter. But, yes, that's another guy, second-year guy that nobody basically knows a whole lot about, uh, that you're that you're looking for to to come up with a key play here or there, uh, and obviously I know you're going to get to Antonio Brown in a second too. When you bring him in, you only have so many footballs that could go around, but the Bucks have so many different guys that can get open. They even went to the second tight end, Cameron Braid, a couple of times for key catches last night. I mean, one thing is for sure. If you get open in space, he's going to find you more times than not, and that's what the Giants found out last night. All right, and I will get to Antonio Brown. Thank you for producing the show, by the way. Uh, but, before, mm. but before I do that, I want to get your thoughts on – we talked about a temperamental Tom Brady. We saw him throw the helmet down last night, and you can see, <laughs> and we've seen this in the past too, not just with the Bucks, but with New England as well, where he just – you know, he kind of loses a little bit. He, he's, he's fired up. I understand that. In your short time with him as the Bucks sideline guy, have you seen the temperamental Tom side of him at all in person yet? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and we, we saw some of this even in – training camp because you didn't get preseason games where he began to get on guys uh you know it's not all smile and put your arm around them but uh that that fiery attitude is something that hey i I don't have to have a coach uh, to come tell you what to do i'm going to tell you what to do this is the reason why i have six of those rings this is the reason why i have three mvp awards it's not an it's not an arrogant thing it is this is what i expect this is, this is where you have to be. This is the level that we have to practice at if you're, if you're going to win championships. So, yes, the fiery side is, uh, is definitely there. I think he was mad, guys, uh, at himself uh, on two or three occasions last night. He had Mickens on a long one in the first half, and he just missed the throw. And, uh, and he had a couple of other open receivers either in, in, the, uh, in the flat or down the field, and he just missed the throw. So I think he was a little upset with himself on some of the accuracy last night, too. All right, he is T.J. Rees from Tampa. He is the Bucks sideline reporter, a great friend and great friend of the program as well. You brought up Antonio Brown. Here it comes. He had to sit out the first eight games of the season, and lo and behold, we're going to see Antonio Brown in a Bucks uniform. We're going to see him against the Saints, against Drew Brees and company. It's going to be great. Uh, give us your take about Antonio Brown basically staying home in Florida, signing with the Bucks. Uh, w- what do we expect to see, and is he going to have a short leash with not only just Tom Brady but Bruce Arians, but what about the upper management with the Buccaneers? Yeah, and I think that's the bigger point uh, is what's the tolerance here. Bruce Arians called it no leash. He has no leash. I mean, there's no, there, there is no wiggle room here on any kind of mistakes. 
uh, or any of the things that we've heard about, the problems obviously that were well documented last year during hard knocks with the Raiders where, where he didn't want to practice and the whole thing with the helmet uh, and everything that was happening with that. Um, and and I, one of the most interesting parts of this is it's now come out, and Tom Brady has confirmed this, that Brady's really taking him under his wing. He had him staying with him for the brief couple of weeks that he was in New England, staying at his home in Boston with Giselle, with the kids, trying to mentor Brown on you've got to behave. And even so far on a serious note, we're going to get you some professional help. And that is apparently what has gone on down here uh, at some point in the last few months, that not necessarily in Tampa, but in, in South Florida where Brown works out. They've gotten him – Uh, at least some psychological help and those kind of things to demonstrate to the Buccaneers he can get here, contribute, behave, be on time, do the things they need to do. And Antonio Brown realizes this is a per-game situation. He's being being uh, paid prorated money, if I can get that out, on a terrible Tuesday. Terrible job by me with that phrase. Prorated money for him means you screw this up and they could get rid of him just like the Patriots did after a game or two, and it'll be done. So I don't think that will be the case. And Bruce Arians, by the way, has already said today in his comments, they believe he'll play at least 15 plays, if not more, in this Saints game, that they believe he's physically ready to go. That, that's going to be a wait and see. But they, they believe he knows enough of the playbook to be out there some and be a threat against the Saints Sunday night football. See, that's what I want to ask you. You, you talked about Bruce Arians with no leash. Does he have that type of... Of, of discipline, that type of hammer for do you think that he can he can do that? Because we know Mike McCarthy doesn't I, honestly, have that. Yeah, that's what I want to know. I don't think it has to be him. I think Tom Brady is going to be the guy over Antonio Brown saying, not unlike Jordan and Pippen with Dennis Rodman, which I'm now playing Frank's song, Chicago, right, Frank? Yeah, you absolutely. sit on the guy and you make him understand that if you want to win a championship right now, if you want to reclaim Whatever status you had as a receiver, you've got a chance to go win the whole thing right now. And, and I don't think Arians is going to have to be the one to even say that. I think, I think Brady is going to have uh, as much command as possibly can be of what happens with Antonio Brown, and then it will be up to him. Uh, and Rodman did behave. But as more, as more than one person has pointed out in that analogy when I keep bringing it up, Rodman may have been nuts May have been may have been crazy like a fox with what he was doing with the wedding dress and the wild colored hair and all the stuff, but Rodman didn't have the legal problems away from basketball, at least that we knew of while it was going on. Antonio Brown clearly has had those, still has court situations coming. We'll see. We'll see how this works out, but here we go. You know, it's interesting because up in New England, Belichick kind of got all the credit from the media in that with talking about when they would bring somebody in and giving somebody a shot in that. But now you start to wonder, maybe it was Brady a little bit behind the scenes too doing some of that stuff. He certainly has the power to say, look, let's give a guy like Brown a chance or something. Tom Brady acts like he wants to play forever, but at some point he will retire. Do you think Brady is a potential with his eye for talent and the way that he does give people chances? Would he be a good coach someday, or is he such a perfectionist that he would want to be, be one of those guys that he was too good of a player to ever be a great coach? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know that he has any interest in doing that. Uh, and you bring up a great point that uh, for the Larry Birds that were able to do it and step in, Magic Johnson was horrible at it, trying to coach uh, the Lakers back in the in the 90s to go back to a basketball analogy and it takes a special guy uh, you know Wayne Gretzky tried it for a little while 
two, the greatest of the greats on the hockey ice and, and had some success, but it's a, it's a different realm, but it's a good point. It's something to, it's something to ponder about him uh, with more than just uh, executing X's and O's, understanding talent, understanding how to evaluate talent. You know, maybe it's a front office thing for him down the road. Very interesting. Uh, I, I do know this from talking with a bunch of different people. Who knows how long the elbow, the shoulder, and all that holds up at 43. But the people that are around him are wowed and amazed and just continue to say he's throwing the ball and operating like he's 33, not like he's 43. So who's to say that he can't play another season, another couple of seasons at a very high level like this? And Buck fans certainly hope that that will be the case. Let's take a quick look at Daniel Jones and look at this Giants team last night. Yeah, they're one and seven, but you know Daniel Jones at times TJ looks really, really good. I mean, he was completing passes at a high percentage, especially in the first half last night. Then he throws a disastrous interception. He led them <laughs> on some successful drives in the second half. Actually, had a chance to win this game. And then he implodes with that pick at the end. Uh, we know he's from Duke. We know that he, he he panics. But what do you think, big picture? with this guy, Daniel Jones, as the quarterback of the Giants? It's, it's a real uncertainty for them, and it's not unlike what we had with Jameis Winston, which is, and it's half-joking but mostly true, he keeps both teams in the game. He will make spectacular plays with his feet or with his arm that make you say, okay, there's the potential uh, that we can win with this guy, and then he makes throws that are unexplainable. Uh, that just are, uh, at this point, as many games as he started, he made a couple of throws last night that, that were just bad, that were just awful with a guy hanging off of him, that kind of stuff. Missed wide open Sterling Shepard on a long one in the third period that the New York fans are going crazy, going saying, see, he can't throw the deep ball with any accuracy. So, yeah, it, it has been a struggle for him. Again, it's a fear coaching staff. Jason Garrett, the Cowboys coach, working with him. So you do see flashes of it. But isn't it interesting that both New York teams are awful? And by the way, the Jets, Patriots, we can smell it from Tampa. You can smell it in Las Vegas. The Jets, Patriots is Monday Night Football next week with Sam Darnold with the winless Jets uh, on Monday Night Football next week. So uh, both the New York teams really trying to figure out, is the guy, does the guy that we have have the goods to be an NFL quarterback? And I don't think either one of them have the answer right now. All right, I want to move over to the West here a little bit, too. And this uh, We didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday, but a crazy game with the Broncos and the Chargers. Uh, I gave up. I really wasn't watching much of this game because there were more competitive games there in the afternoon you know, that I was watching, uh, especially you know that Saints-Bears game Frank and I were talking about. But I was shocked to see the Broncos come back and win this game 31-30. The Chargers blow it again. They led 24-3 at one point during this game. Denver had 60 first-half yards. They had two rushing yards in the first half. Think about that. And then they came back. Now, we know that, that Herbert's doing his part for the Chargers. But four straight games now with the TD, that's amazing. But now when you look at his team, they've now lost three games this season after having leads of at least 17 points. Incredible. It, it is incredible. And, and now all of a sudden people are saying, okay, Anthony Lynn, are you on the chopping block? You look at this team, though. They got talent, and we've seen it, you know, last year. And then them, you know, leaving San Diego, playing in Carson. Now they're in SoFi Stadium, obviously without fans. It's a good thing they're not playing with fans because literally there'd be 25,000 fans there to see a Chargers game because there's no love there in L.A. But this is a, a pretty good football team. Before we thought it was Phillip Rivers. Now I'm thinking that this is just about the Chargers. I, what is your take on this? 
I uh, I saw them at field level back what in the third game of the season, I believe it was third or fourth week of the season. And Herbert has got talent. There is no doubt. He's big. He's mobile. Uh, but I believe that was the fifth time this year they had at least a touchdown lead in the fourth quarter and could not win the game. And so, unfortunately, this is pro sports. It's a bottom-line business. And, and Anthony Lynn may be uh, the nicest, most compassionate of guys, but you're judged on what does your team do game in and game out and season in and season out. And when you repeatedly cannot finish games off and you cannot find a way to win and you cannot find a way to scheme or adjust and hold the lead, that is spelled coaching. And he's ultimately going to be responsible here because you're right. They do. They have some talent. They don't have Melvin Gordon there anymore, and they lost Eckler in the Tampa Bay game who hasn't been back. But their running game hasn't fallen off that much. Defensively, I know Bosa uh, has been out with a concussion recently. He didn't do much in the game against the Bucs, hasn't done a bunch this season as one of their draft picks, but still – uh, for them to repeatedly lose like they have with the lead over and over again, that comes back to being able to find a way to win. And you, and you bring it back to the Buccaneers game last night, find a way to make one more play, find a way to make the interception. I mean, I could not believe they allowed Jones to convert the fourth and 16 against that defense that you saw strangle uh, Derek Carr in Vegas, but they did. And then a great catch by Golden Tate in the back of the end zone. Just real quick, I want you guys' thoughts on this. I mean, it's a weird 2020 year. It's bizarre. It's crazy. But if Golden Tate makes that leaping, toe-tapping catch in the back of the end zone, it would have been like an earthquake at the Meadowlands with the fans erupting uh, for Big Blue. And then on the two-point conversion, if you'd have had 75,000 there where they picked the flag up, those refs would have had to have left in an armored car, brother. To get out to get out of that place to pick the flag up, so it's just weird that we don't have fans. All right, he is T.J. Reeves. Uh, you can also not only the Buck sideline guy, but uh, does a great job with Compass Media College Football Game of the Week there in the SEC as well, too, my friend. So uh, we'll look for you with that, and of course, uh, several podcasts. Three Dog Thursday that I participated in. There you go, picking that Vikings game Thank over the you weekend for the Vikings. Okay. DC gave the Vikings over the Packers. You called that one straight away last Thursday. Outstanding job with that, and uh, we, we had several other ones that came through, including the Steelers. I had the Steelers there uh, who had the great win at, against the Ravens. The Arkansas Razorbacks came through, so we've been doing a little better with our underdog predictions on Three Dog Thursday. Thank you for the plug. You you graced us with your royal presence <laughs> to announce the extension of the two hours of the T.C. Martin Show starting this week. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. We need more of T.C. Martin. Wow. All right. Well, thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate you. Keep up the great work. Love having you on the, on the show. And, uh, again, I can reciprocate any time as well. Uh, appreciate you. And this is this was tame on a terrible Tuesday. You didn't beat me up too much because no. my butts are 6-2, and two, so that's good. No, this is a good thing. And I like them, and I like them. They were good to me on the money line, so there it is. <laughs> All right, brother. It, it's all about the green. Do well. There, there he is. T.J. Reeves, our Buck sideline guy. Always good. What a shame we didn't get a chance to uh, bring up the Bears' stupid wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> we still got time. We got another hour. What are you talking about? No, no, no. We got other stuff to get to. There we go. Listen. We, we're going to talk to a guy that actually knows guys that know how to fight and don't take their bare hand to punch somebody in a helmet. <laughs> exactly. All right. T.C. Martin Show. 2 to 4 p.m. each and every day. Next hour, Bob Aram joins us. Matthew Holt. More NFL to talk about. Ballpark Frank, yours truly right here. TCMartinShow.com.